This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're talking real money. Well, it's just another Q&A Friday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the question and answer edition of the Talking Real Money podcast. And I and Tom are so glad that you chose to be a part of it, that you're listening in as other folks around the world uh, send in questions to TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Uh, today's edition is fascinating. We have some really good questions, um, and, uh, and they're, they're international in scope. That's the lovely thing about the internet. I mean, isn't it cool that all of us can listen to the same things anywhere we are in the world and you can do it instantaneously and, you know, we can talk to each other face to face anywhere on the planet. And it's actually easier than making a phone call used to be. We live in, in incredible times in many ways, awful and wonderful, both. But I think that's all of time. I really do. I think that's all time. I mean, I was, I was listening to the radio um, like a week ago and a show on, on an NPR station, and they talked about how artificial intelligence is now able to, and they don't know why this works, but artificial intelligence is able to look into your retina and tell you if you are on course, if you are, if you are in the next many years headed for Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or a host of other diseases just by looking at your retina. I mean, that's astonishing. So we live in the best of times and the worst of times, and I'm going to lean toward the best because I feel lucky to be where I am, and I'm glad you're there. And you can uh, send those questions in again at TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com. Just click on the contact form and then speak them in. If you speak them in, they get answered on Fridays. If you type them in, well, they'll get answered on a weekday or another weekday, a Monday or a Thursday generally. Well, or sometimes Tuesday and Wednesday. So hard to say. Anyway, let's get to today's questions. And uh, the first one is global in nature. Hello, Don and Tom. Happy New Year. I am a huge fan. So I'm going to start with a question. Do you dislike annuities or leaf blowers more? That is the question. So I am Sean. I'm calling from Islamabad, Pakistan where I work for the U.S. government, and on our compound today, I walked out the door of our very secure building where the windows are so thick you can't hear a damn thing, and you can't even open them because they're bulletproof and all that. But anyway, so I walk out of this silent building to just the excruciating, painful sound um, of the embassy leaf blower being used. It was just horrible. But anyway, so I'm curious to know your answer to that. But meanwhile... I am calling for a friend, truly calling for a friend. Her name is Carrie. She lives in Birmingham, Alabama. She's a 45-year-old widowed female. 
And just recently, she revealed to me that last summer she signed up for Freedom Debt Relief, which I had never heard of. And she was facing $40,000 in credit card debt and feeling desperate. She now regrets this. She realizes it was a mistake, but what's been done has been done. Um, and now she's considering filing, filing for bankruptcy. So my questions involve those two things, but let me tell you a little bit more about her. She, her house is paid for. Her used car is paid for. She has a college degree and she earns $35,000 a year working one full-time job. She has no other significant debts nor assets. So next week, Wednesday, January, I think that's, what is that, 18th or something like that. She has an appointment with a bankruptcy lawyer, and she asked me what I know about bankruptcy. And I told her that extreme problems call for extreme measures, etc. I suggested a few things like her getting a second job. Oh, and she has no kids, by the way. She has a couple pets, but no kids. So I suggested, you know, maybe she take on a roommate, um, a paying roommate to pay some rent. Maybe she move in with her parents who live in Birmingham with her in the same town with her, or they move in with her. Um, and she listens to my ideas and she hears me, but she, I just think she's emotionally kind of drowning. And so it's hard for her to take action. And so anyway, here are my questions. In general, can you talk about bankruptcy and when it's the right decision for somebody? And secondly, what do you suggest in regards to getting out from the freedom debt relief agreement um, with or without bankruptcy? Um, I'm curious of what the consequences of that would be. And since she's only about six months into that, it, you know, is that, should she just bite it and do that? Would that be a better option? I got on, I logged online today um, as her to her freedom debt account. And I attempted to chat with a customer service rep who was not very helpful. And she gave me answers that didn't make sense. When I asked how long it would take to pay off um, the program at the rate my friend was going, this customer service person told me about 48 months. But she also said I owe $37,000 and am paying about 600 per month on the plan. Well, I got out the calculator and that equates to 62 months, not 48 months. But she couldn't explain that discrepancy. And I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. But anyway, thanks again. And I really appreciate um, any help you can provide for my friend Carrie in Alabama. Which do I hate more? Hmm. Well, this is good. This is a good one. Um, what, which do I hate more? Well, I hate the financial damage that some annuities do to people, and I, I hate the misleading nature of them. But, I mean, if we're going to talk true visceral disgust and hatred, it has to be leaf blowers. Has to be leaf blowers. They are a terrible invention. Particularly, well, not the electric ones so much. They're all right. You can. I, I have a little electric one I use to brush the constant flow of oak leaves in Florida from my porch. It's those big honking backpack uh, nuclear-powered wind generators. They, I, I mean, they're really one of the reasons I bought a sound booth is those noisy, noisy, noisy things. So, And see, they even have them in Pakistan. <laughs> 
So the whole world is being destroyed by leaf blowers. There, there's the worst of times part. Uh, as for your friend, mm, wow, um, 45,000 is a lot, but it is not an insurmountable amount. It actually, you know, I, 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 I'm of two minds on this. I love the, and I, because, you know, I've been in financial trouble. I've been in debt up to my eyeballs at times when I was younger, and I just found a way to pay it. Um, I either asked for help or I took on another job or I trimmed expenses or all of the above. So it happens to all of us or many of us, a lot of us. And I love the idea of the parents moving in with her, them sharing expenses for a few years so that she could take that, that rent money every month, which has got to be, you know, five figures a year, the rent, and put that toward the debt, getting rid of the debt, and never, ever again running it up. She needs to make a solemn pledge to you and to herself and to her parents, that that will never happen again, ever, no matter what the circumstances. Uh, second job never killed anybody. I've had many times, well, I have two jobs now, um, both of which I love. But, you know, maybe she could find another job that she really loves. She doesn't have a family that, uh, that, that needs her there for f family care. Uh, so I, that is, that's where I'm leaning first. Now the freedom debt relief thing, these debt relief companies generally are, well, what's a good word? Uh, they're disingenuous at best. <laughs> it gets worse than that. I mean, the average fee on, for debt relief is 21 and a half percent. I mean, that's as bad as the interest rates charged on the credit cards. Can she get out? Yeah, she can probably get out. It is not going to be cheap. But, and any fees they've charged to date, they're not going to return. Uh, and she could fight the fight and get out, or she might want to, it may be worth paying a lawyer a few hundred bucks to help her get out, like the bankruptcy attorney she's meeting with. Bankruptcy is there for a reason. It's there for when we make big financial mistakes and we just can't get out of it. There's just no way. Uh, I am not opposed to it. I think it's wise to meet with a bankruptcy attorney and talk about the possibilities. The uh, Because I tell you, I'd be willing to bet that the freedom debt relief thing has already destroyed her credit rating. That and being late on the debt. Her credit rating is destroyed. It will be a long time before she can borrow again. But is that really such a bad thing? I mean, this sounds like a, a, a lovely woman who shouldn't be borrowing money ever again. She should have a debit card attached to her bank account. And if she can't afford it, she doesn't get it. And maybe that's an impetus to look for a better job, to work, again, work part-time. Never, I haven't heard of anyone dying of a second job I, I know I never did. I mean, I'm here. Um, so there's good and bad. There's good and bad. Uh, bankruptcy does. I, funny thing, file for bankruptcy. You can probably get a credit card shortly thereafter because they know you can't do it again. 
uh, for a while. Mm, but I'm really going to lean. I think you're – if she does have parents who are willing to live with her for a while, say three years until she really busts her butt to get rid of this, and she makes a commitment to them that it is a three-year process, she's going to put everything – basically – everything she earns toward it and that the three of them are going to sit down and eat reasonably priced meals together. There's no going out. There's no, uh, streaming television. There's, you know, just the bills get cut to the bare bones. You know, you can watch TV via uh, an antenna still these days. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning that way. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you for listening. Um, and thank you for what you're doing for the state department. They're in Pakistan. Take care. Now let's take another question. Hi, guys. I'm looking at the brokered CDs from Vanguard, and there's one from J.P. Morgan Chase for 5.25 per year. Settles in 12 days. Payment frequency is interest at maturity, and it's callable on July 24th at 100. Um, I can also get 5% at my credit union per year, uh, compounded daily, um, which is preferable. And, um, what is callable 724 at a hundred means? Does that mean JP Morgan can just cancel the CD and not pay the rest of the interest? Um, thank you very much. I want to come back to the laddering concept that I keep talking about. I think CD should be laddered. I don't think you should just be going, ah, one year, unless there's a reason for you putting money in a one year. If you've got some need for the money in a year, then, um, yeah, one year CD would make sense. The brokered CD from JP Morgan is callable at what is called par. A hundred means you're not going to get a premium. Sometimes you don't, it might be, callable at 101, which would mean on $1,000, you'd get $10 more. In this case, it's basically saying you're buying a six-month CD that might be extended for another six months, but there's no guarantee. That's that's the essence of it. So it might be good to split it up, maybe, or, or talk. I bet you there's a one year that's not callable at five. So do a one year non-callable at five and the one year 5.25 that is callable and get 5.125. But that's the deal. It is a callable CD. And so if rates go down between now and July, they will probably take that, that CD back and pay you your $1,000. But the interest will stop as of the date they pay you. So they'll pay you half a year's interest. I hope that makes sense. If not, send in another question. Again, questions, easy. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. You click on the contact form. You click on the microphone. Then you use a, a computer mic or an iPhone mic or an iPad mic or an Android mic or whatever kind of phone you have, mic, uh, and you speak your question. And then within a couple of weeks, uh, we do them on the Friday program. Within a couple of weeks. Two or three. All right. I think we have another. I know we have another. We've got a slew of them. Hello, Don and Tom. I'm embarrassed to ask this question since most of your callers ask for help with their millions of dollars here and there. I am 70 years old 
and we've just received a $200,000 inheritance. We have no debt, and I receive a small pension and annuity through the state. I have about $300,000 sitting in a Bank of America CD earning 5% interest. Of course, that's going to change in June. Right now, we don't use that to live on. Is it too late to use a financial advisor, and how can they help? Thank you for helping and your advice, and I have signed up for RetireMeet. Well, great. I'll see you at RetireMeet. That'll be good. RetireMeet, um, for those of you who aren't in the Seattle area, uh, it's going to be open to anybody anywhere in the world, including as Islamabad, Pakistan. Uh, we don't have the sign-up set up for that yet because we're just doing the in-person. We want to get that sold out first. And then in February, we'll open the sign-ups for the virtual version, the online version. So, um, yeah, we, we hope everybody attends all over the place. And it's really, it is really a great event. I mean, it's lasted for 10 years and it's been sold out every year. So it must be pretty good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. Right now, you have no plan. You know you have no plan. Oh, by the way, don't be embarrassed. Oh my gosh, no. We try to. We help anybody from you know like a hundred bucks. We've had we've had callers who just you know putting starting to put a few hundred dollars a, a month away in something. So you you've got a decent sized a decent amount of wealth, uh, but you don't have a plan. I can feel it. I can hear it. I know it, and that's the biggest thing. A 100% fiduciary, non-salesy advisor can do for you is they can develop a plan. Even if you just pay somebody to do that, you're likely to be ahead. Several years ago, and you can look this up online, Vanguard did a study called uh, Investors Alpha, or Advisors Alpha, I'm sorry, Advisors Alpha is a paper, and they actually determined that an advisor, having a an advisor on average, made people 3% more per year. And I, you can see why, though. Because right now, you've got money making nothing. You've got other money making five, but you don't know what that'll make next. And before that, I bet it was much lower. So you just you have a nothing portfolio. You have no portfolio. That's the other thing an advisor can do for you. They can build the right portfolio for you because a, a true fiduciary advisor never, ever, ever tries to build a portfolio before getting to know a lot about you. They may generally say, we might want to do this and this and this, but they're going to, they're going to want to know you. They're going to want to know your risk profile. They're going to know your needs. They're going to know what problems you might face in the future and how to plan for those. And then along the way, that's what they do. They plan for those things that uh, we knew were, or they, they activate the plan for those things we knew were coming up, and they help you deal with those you don't, you didn't know. They also do something that is, as a matter of fact, in the Vanguard study, they found this to be the most powerful part of what an advisor does, the most valuable part, and that is keep you emotionally on track, not allow you, and allow, allow isn't the best word. Try to keep you from doing things that are going to hurt you or likely to hurt you in the future. Keeping you on course, making you stick with the plan, because the plan is the key to success. So, yeah, you're in great shape. you got half a million dollars. 
there are a lot of great advisors who will take clients with a half a million dollars, including our firm. So uh, and we list some advisors at uh, TalkingRealMoney.com. But, you know, wherever you live, you just what you want to do. There's an, uh, an advisor interview form on TalkingRealMoney.com. What you want to do is make sure they always act as a fiduciary and they never, ever receive commissions. And they don't sell insurance products, those annuities. And they don't sell leaf blowers. I'm sorry, forget to throw that one in. So, yeah, advisor would be great. Thanks for the question. I really appreciate it. Now to the next one. Thanks for the show. I appreciate it. I enjoy listening to it. Uh, I do have a question for y'all. I have a 403B uh, at Guidestone that uh, was from uh, clergy employment. So I am able to take a housing allowance from that uh, 403B. Am I able to move that money to another organization uh, such as Vanguard or uh, Charles Schwab or something like that? Uh, And when I do move it, or if I can move it, do I need to keep it in a 403B? Uh, or can I move it to the IRA in order to continue to take housing allowance? Uh, I believe I know the answer that I need to keep it in a 403B, but I don't know if I can move it to anywhere else uh, and do the housing allowance uh, to uh, avoid paying taxes on that. Thanks for the show. Appreciate it. Uh, I hope that uh, that you can get me an answer. Well, you know the answer. You were right. Uh, if you move it out of the 403B, you can't take out the uh, housing allowance, the tax-free housing allowance. That is just for 403B plans. And by the way, just for retired clergy. Uh, Not anybody with a 403B can do that. However, it does kind of lock you into your 403B because you're not going to be able to move it to a 403B with Vanguard. You're going to have to keep it in your 403B. You could move to an IRA, but then when you move to an IRA, you lose the housing advantage. So you're pretty much stuck with the 403B. Now, what you probably want to do is determine the best investment options within your 403B. And again, that goes back to having, you know, getting some help from an advisor, uh, really getting a handle on what your, your choices are and how to best allocate those to facilitate the withdrawals that you're going to need, when you're going to need them, and the like. So, um a uh, fiduciary advisor, yeah. As a matter of fact, you, you, you'd be a good candidate to just have a free meeting with one of our advisors. You know, they it, it, get all your plan information. They can help you figure out what might be best in there for you. Uh, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor. It's free. We're not going to try and sell you anything. All right. Thank you so much. I wish you well. Take care, Reverend. And now, is this our final one? Why, yes, it is. It's our final question of the episode. Hi, Don. Steve from Seattle. My question is about tax-efficient fund location. I have a Vanguard brokerage, IRA, and Roth accounts. I've been treating each account separately and splitting each account between U.S. and international stocks and bonds. But if I were to consider the whole portfolio, it seems to make sense to move all my bond funds into my rollover IRA account for tax efficiency then the brokerage and the IRA accounts would have no bond funds, just ETFs. I'd still maintain the same 75-25 stock bond split across the whole portfolio, 
but the IRA account would be almost entirely bond funds. That should reduce the non-qualified dividends I have to pay taxes on each year. Does this make sense? Thanks. Well, that makes all kinds of sense. ETFs have been a wonderful invention, particularly equity ETFs, particularly the more aggressive ones that where, when you get into small cap uh, and, and the like. Uh, they are wonderful because most of their returns come from increase in value, which is capital appreciation. There are some dividends, which you're going to pay taxes on in your brokerage account, but in the more aggressive ones, they're negligible. Whereas a uh, an income fund, a bond fund, or a real estate investment trust fund distributes a lot of taxable stuff along the way, so those should be in the tax-advantaged accounts. So you have it absolutely right. Every account should not be equal. You should move it the assets into the right account for the right situation. In this case, that means you want anything that's highly taxable in the account that protects you from taxes. And then you want the stuff that's got tax advantages built in in the taxable account, the brokerage account. So wise decisions across the board. Thank you so much for your call, and thank you all for your calls. Or I still call them calls. I just can't think of anything else to call them. But you can call your calls in. <laughs> at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Please do that uh, because we really do. I really do. Both of us really do like answering your questions. We love it. And uh, if you need more help, go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Meet an Advisor. We'll help you out for free. We really will. And watch for, coming up really soon, uh, the online version of Retire Meet. So watch for that at RetireMeet.com. All right, folks. Thanks again for being there. Tell a friend or two or a thousand, if you know that many. Uh, and uh, let's keep building the Talking Real Money audience because we really are trying to help people do a whole lot better with their investing and managing money by talking real money. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. Oh, I think I need a nap.